0: is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers.
1: And now keeping himself with Martinez,
0: five. He is going to be in, touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in from 15 yards out, tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets, one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three, got it! Isaiah Robey nails it from three-point land, And a good time was had by all.
2: Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the K-Lion Husker Hour. We are off and rolling here on the busiest personnel week of Nebraska football that I can remember. That isn't just
1: like a signing week. Right. It, not, and, not, a, not a typical signing day right. experience. Because it, <laughs> normally on signing day, you're like, okay, these guys are coming in. You were expecting it. And then all of a sudden this yeah. week it was, all right, well, this guy's coming in. That guy's out okay, that guy's going to the draft, this guy's coming in, that guy's going to the draft, this guy's staying, this guy's staying, this guy's staying, this guy's staying. All right. Like, we could do one
2: of those uh, Ace Ventura-style, like, deep breath and then just <laughs> let it all out. Right. I, I Look, you've got some good news on many different fronts, um, maybe more wins this week than Nebraska's had in the last few seasons in terms of guys staying. You've got some big losses uh, and I think we all know uh, probably our, our one nearest and dearest to our hearts. Um, and and then you've got some big transfer news as well. And it was interesting, the timing, too, because I feel like this was choreographed to a certain extent. Because I'm pretty sure, uh, remembering earlier this week, the Samari Touré and Wanda yep. over, uh, announcements were the same day. And then the Mills and Step announcements were the same day as yep. well. Um, so hey, good on good on the program for kind of you know getting that all synchronized. Uh, you lose one, you gain one, and and hopefully it's a net neutral at the very least, maybe a positive. Um, but let's start where uh, I, I think the biggest hole is, and that's Wandell Robinson. Mm-hmm. Clearly, a guy that Nebraska wasn't anticipating losing because he's been involved in like every major move within the program <laughs> the last couple of weeks. He was out there. Uh, out uh, off of East Stadium for the expansion project mm-hmm. announcement with Scott Frost and Bill Moose. He was the only player, the only there. player out there, the face of your program. Uh, he was involved in a like a social media uh, Christmas tree thing where mm-hmm. Austin Allen was the tree and he was like putting lights around him, and that was obviously near Christmas. So you wouldn't do that with a guy you were expecting to lose that soon. Uh, Part of his announcement said, you know, he wants to be closer to his family. His mom got COVID uh, towards the end of the year is what it said. Didn't say specifically when, but then there's other comments and other outlets where he's saying it it might be uh, somewhat related to how he was used and and part of the offense. I I don't know where you come down on this, but I don't know how much of an indictment it can be on the coaching staff, uh, just purely from his usage standpoint, because they did showcase his versatility quite a bit, um, and, and they also didn't really have, according to, you know, w- based on their personnel and who they were, weren't, and, were and were not willing to play, uh, who they were able to use at certain positions once guys were not available, uh, thinking of not having Mills toward the middle of this season, and then you have to go with Wandale, essentially, because uh, you didn't really have it in terms of confidence from Ramir Johnson uh, or any of the other guys. Uh, so that's, that's disappointing a loss, obviously in, in, in terms of how you place blame on, on who and what. And I, I don't know. I mean, if it wasn't a COVID related year and he could travel back and forth for an illness type of situation, would he be leaving? I don't know. I don't know if that's really the reason I think maybe the truth lies in how he was used in the offense, and maybe he just didn't like being uh, a, a a feature running back, and just mm-hmm. wants to be used exclusively as a running back. You know, he, Frost is trying to win. I think he can appreciate that, but it is what it is, and he's got opportunities elsewhere. and And you wish him well, and and you wish it would have worked out here for for a couple more seasons.
1: So there's there's a couple sides of this. Number one, Wandale Robinson, um, wherever he ends up, and he's at Kentucky. He's committed to Kentucky. That's his home state school. That's where he was originally committed to. Um, And whoever gets him in the NFL knows they're going to get a guy who, whatever you ask of him, even if it's not how he wants to be used, he's going to do whatever he can to help the team win. And that's what he did at Nebraska. And I believe his usage isn't so much. um, Any issues he has with usage was not the number of touches he got because he started to get a bunch of touches. But if we remember... There would be a series where they'd line him up in the backfield and they ran him straight ahead for four consecutive plays. Yes, and all you're doing at that point is saying, "Look, there's four touches. That's all you've done with those four plays." Because at no point should Wandale Robinson be running directly at the guard in front of him. Like that, that's not a good use of him on the field. I think the usage that Wandale is looking for is a quarterback that can consistently throw the ball to someone and hit them on slant routes, on option routes, can hit a guy consistently downfield if he were to break something open over the top. Nebraska didn't have that. So when Wandale's running routes, like he got crunched across the middle on one where he's a little bit hung out to dry. Mm Mm-hmm. He's looking for a quarterback that can get him the ball in space so he can showcase his talent that way. He got the touches at Nebraska. It's just not the type of touches that he wants to showcase what he can bring to the NFL outside of just being, hey, get me the ball. Does he have that at Kentucky, though? I don't know
2: who See, they have that's... as a quarterback coming in, but they had a
1: glorified running back and Terry Wilson as their offense See, last that, year. That's, that's the thing is you can want those things, but I don't think Kentucky is the place to give him those things. Yeah. Like
2: look you you want to go ho- closer to home and I don't think anybody can fault you for that especially given the situation from this last season who knows when the last time this might have been in something uh some of the write-ups of of him uh since he transferred out how long it had been between visits home back to Kentucky uh going back to like March or April mm-hmm. or May all the way through the end of this season in December uh, so it was obviously a while at least six months, maybe up to nine. that being said you know i I think everybody just wants to to know okay, is this on frost and and staff on on not u- using him right, or is he just going somewhere closer to home, and he 'll hopefully get what he wants there i i think it 's more of the latter i don 't think there 's necessarily a a you know NFL-accuracy-type-style quarterback at Kentucky. Mm -hmm. There certainly has been, or there certainly hasn't been, in Mark Stoops' tenure there. So, you know, maybe they've got a better situation at running back, and he just can strictly play at receiver. That might be more of a roster situation. I haven't dug into that too much.
1: I don't think he's going to get what he wants at Kentucky. I don't think he's going to get all of it. But I will say there is a bit of an indictment on this coaching staff in this program to not have enough guys healthy and not have a quarterback in a position to at least be accurate enough to throw the ball downfield. That that wasn't just something that was Juan Dale. That was across the board this year, the inaccuracy downfield. That's why, honestly, besides the fact that Nebraska didn't stick to a running game against Minnesota, not being able to hit a guy more than 10 yards downfield more than once – is why Nebraska lost to the Gophers. It was an inexplicable loss and it was disappointing. Um not being able to throw the ball at all more than 10 15 yards downfield is a giant disappointment across the board and that's I I know he's not going to necessarily get that at Kentucky, but you can still be disappointed in your usage to know that you didn't have that at Nebraska and you're just trying to get something and even if you're not going to get it, you're still closer to home. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so Wandale he's out uh and and then the guy who's coming in to replace him Samari Touré he's a uh transfer from Montana. Uh he had uh he broke a record in the FCS playoffs <laughs> that was once held by a guy you might have heard of named Randy Moss. Oh, is he good? He sounds pretty good. <laughs> so, that's not bad. Um and he's got size. He's 6'3". Um this is a guy who's going to give Nebraska a little bit of that Omar Manning that Omar Manning didn't provide this last season, you hope, uh, because obviously everybody was hoping that Omar Manning would provide the Omar Manningness.
1: Think about think about that though. If you get everyone for this next year, that all of those big receivers, if Omar Manning is lined up out there, and Samori Toure, and Xavier Bets, mm-hmm. feels like that year BYU was just throwing it up in Memorial Stadium. <laughs> you just got a bunch of big dudes running running fly routes. Yeah. So his uh, his contributions last season
2: uh 37 catches uh and 533 yards um that was how far sorry that was how far away he was from owning all of montana's receiving records uh this last season 82 receptions 1495 yards 13 touchdowns uh and he had the 303 yard playoff game (laughs) so uh again held by marshall's randy moss uh that had stood for 23 seasons so Look, the way that Nebraska's receiving core has gone over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't remember who found this, but the only uh true freshman recruits since 2013 who have exhausted all of their eligibility through their senior season, not transferring elsewhere, Stanley Morgan, Demorne Pearson, end of list. Ah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, there have been a couple of guys who have transferred in, like from junior college, like Mike Williams. Is, he he used up his eligibility as well. Mm-hmm. But they just can't keep guys here at that spot. They can't get production out of guys, especially early in their careers. Other than Stanley Morgan, Demorne Pearsonell, Xavier Betts, you could probably include in that category as mm-hmm. well. It, it's it doesn't bode well for. Hoping that any of the three incoming guys like Hardy and Grimes, uh, like like those guys, I don't know that you're going to get immediate production out of them because there's not a track record for it. Uh, hope- I also don't know how much availability or space there is for them. Sure, but I, I and he, I mean Oliver Martin was a guy who got who who saw a lot of time late in the year last year. Uh, Jamie Nance, Mary, Houston were freshmen, not this this 2020 mm-hmm. class, but 2019. They haven't really seen the field a whole lot. Elante Brown predominantly on special teams. Alante Brown might see a little bit more usage next season. Uh, Marcus Fleming obviously already transferred out. Omar Manning, you don't know what you're going to get from him if anything. Um, and then you have the Oliver Martin, Levi Falk. Those guys are transfers. Uh, Falk re- is returning. He's mm-hmm. one of these other guys uh, that that you're going to get back. And then, you know, it, maybe Toure can can kind of bust that trend. Gosh, you hope so, but. I don't know that you can count on it. If, you've, if you have followed this program as much as we have, as much as most of the people listening have, I don't know if you can count on a guy, even though he had 85 catches last season at Montana. Can you, can you assume that he's going to be able to step in and be a guy who's going to lead the team in receiving automatically next season? Because you don't have Wandale back. You, you don't have anybody else who has given you more than like 15 catches in a season. Uh, maybe a guy like Thomas Fedoni, who's going to be in this week actually as part of 13 incoming freshmen uh, who are early enrollees along with three transfers. Maybe Thomas Fedoni can essentially play as a wideout this first season because they have a lot of depth at tight end. I, the, 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 way, the way that the offense has to work is you have to have a lot of guys available to you in the passing game. You want to keep the defense guessing. Nebraska has done anything but that so far since Scott Frost has been here.
1: Okay, shortened season Nebraska completed only 156 passes. Right. This last year.
2: But it should have been more. I mean, the eight games, yes, but I think the average would bear out that you need a little bit more production than that. I would be interested to look at like the the per game or the yeah, the per game uh, completions comparing well, Martinez's freshman year to this you, last. You year. you go
1: to 2019. Yeah. So, full season. The same season that uh, Toure caught 85 passes. Yeah. Nebraska completed 194. Oh. Leading receiver, J.D. Spielman. Spielman, yeah. 49 catches. Yeah. Wandale with 40. Those two combined for 89. Yeah, I mean, Toure is certainly more productive uh, in terms
2: of just raw statistics. It. it we're going to talk to Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal-Star about all this as well here coming up uh, with uh, all the personnel comings and goings. I just the, the offense only returned Levi Falk in terms of these guys who, who were able to leave, exhausted their eligibility, and, and could come back if they wanted to. Mills left. Um, Farniok left. Hymas left. Uh, Wandale obviously is transferring out. Uh, Stoll left. Mm-hmm. On defense, you look at the guys who are coming back Jojo Doman obviously was the big one last week. Cam Taylor-Britt could have left early for the NFL draft as a junior. He's staying. Uh, And then this week, the announcements of both safeties, Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams, Will Honus, and Ben Stilley. All those guys coming back as well. We can talk a little bit more about them individually here as well coming up. But almost everybody who could have come back on defense came back. Almost nobody on offense who could have come back came back. Something or nothing on that. Like, right. The defense had a nice season, and a lot of those guys are returning. The offense did not have a nice season, and most of them said thanks, but no thanks
1: to another year. Starters not coming back on defense. DiCaprio Boodle, go to the NFL draft. Colin, Colin Miller, no. medical retirement. That's it. You got nine back. Offensively. And, th- I, feel, and yeah. I feel pretty confident in what you're able to replace with those two anyway.
2: Yeah, Nick Henrich, uh, I saw that he, uh, somebody found, I think this was 24-7, the most tackles in a Big Ten game, uh, or the second most tackles in a Big Ten game period for Nebraska, the number 1 was Levante David in a game against Michigan in 2011. That game against Iowa for Nick Henrich, who was inside linebacker, moved him to outside linebacker before last season, had to come back to inside linebacker because obviously Miller was out, and then Luke Reimer was hurt as well. And Henrich just comes in and just, Oh well, yeah. I'll just get eleven tackles against Iowa. Uh, you got good guys there with Reimer and Henrich. Uh, you still have a Honus back for another year, and you got the one of the three transfers, Chris Kalarevich from uh, Northern Iowa, coming in too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A lot of talent returning on the defense. A lot of experience returning on the defense. What are we going to expect from that offense? Like it's you have a fourth year senior and fourth year a senior fourth year starter at quarterback and you could have absolutely no idea what you're going to get from that <laughs> side of the football it is stunning to me i bet parker's got
1: some ideas for us
2: i bet i bet he does i bet we have some but it's just hard to come up with them at this point is all like I just, <laughs> it's weird man that offense is just mystifying to me
1: um all Feel, right. feels like 2010 tw- 2009 and 2010 well, All right, just roll the defense out, offense, get a field goal. Yeah,
2: 2009, <laughs> that offense did not know what to do, and you just you had the benefit of a and sue in that. In, right. So, yeah, it's... Jared Crick lined up over there. Gosh, you hope you don't have to go back to just like, <laughs> let's, guys, let's just go into a shell and hope that we can get a couple turnovers. All right, Parker Gabriel joining us next. Uh, we've got a lot more to get to just other than the football moves. Uh, we've got volleyball before next show. The volleyball opener is Friday, uh, hopefully, the men will, the men's basketball will have a chance to play again before next next game. Uh, wrestling had a big match last night. Lot to get to. Parker, next. Stay with us here on the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred KLIN.
2: Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. It's KLIN Husker Hour. That's Caleb Henry, the KLIN Sports Director Extraordinaire. I did call you that, right? Yeah, that's why not? Your, that's on your business card. It's somewhere in there. I am merely KLIN Contributor <laughs> Extraordinaire, Cole Stukenholtz. Uh, and along with us for the ride here, uh, newly minted, uh, I think the second straight year, Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year
3: Extraordinaire, Parker Gabriel is.
2: from the Lincoln Journal-Star. Parker, congrats. Thanks for joining us.
3: Oh, thank you. You're too kind. Glad to be here.
2: Is is it two years in a row now? I I think you won it last year, right? Yeah. Very good. Good stuff. Hey, uh, we we do appreciate having you. Your insight is uh, always uh, very much uh, helpful to us uh, understanding. uh, One of the things that we would like to understand, and I think a lot of listeners too, uh, is what the heck is going on uh, in terms of contrasting offensive returnees and defensive returnees uh, Caleb and I just kind of going through, ticking down all the players coming back now that I think everybody's made up their minds. Almost everybody back defensively and almost nobody back offensively, including a guy you thought you'd have as your stalwart on your offense in Wandale Robinson. Uh, something or nothing there just in terms of, I don't know if you call it, good vibes from the defense having a nice year and not so much from the offense. Does it go deeper than that? What do you read into that the returning uh,
3: story here? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a big one. I, I think it's probably something, but I don't know if it's as much as what some people would make it out to be. I mean, I think in the in terms of the seniors with the decisions to make, everyone is just sort of in their own boat on that. And it broke, uh, you know, in a way where a bunch of defensive guys obviously made the decision to come back and and a few on offense didn't. But there weren't really as many choices. I mean, I thought Brendan Heim has probably had the easiest decision out of everybody, um, you know, as the season went along and he made that jump to the NFL. Um, you know, I, I think you can tick down the list of guys that didn't come back in, in terms of the seniors on offense and find a good reason for it. Um, you know, Matt Farniak is coming off a year where uh, he had a lot of experience playing a, a couple of different positions. Uh, Bo Wilson had sort of lost his job and wanted to go somewhere else to find a place to play. So, you know, first of all, they didn't have as many seniors on offense as they did on defense. And then a couple of them, you could sort of understand the decision to move on. Uh, defense, you're right. I mean, they caught sort of a good vibe there and a bunch of guys came back. I think you had a lot of borderline draft prospects, sort of. Good players might have football in their future after college, not guaranteed to get drafted. And so why not come back for another year? So, yeah, I mean, it, it, definitely, it definitely is noticeable, the difference between uh, the defensive decisions and the offensive decisions, especially given the way those two units sort of trended uh, in 2020. But I think the only way to find out is to sort of wait and see what happens offensively.
1: Parker, the, the biggest move of the week was the Wandale Robinson news. It's official. He's committed back to um, Kentucky. Now he, he wants to be closer to home. He's going to be closer to home. But from what he told ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, there was a few issues with how he was used on offense I don't know that with this Kentucky offense how much of that's necessarily gonna change you're not gonna get an elite quarterback um... there but even still how much of that decision feels like an indictment on the offense not being able to put Wandale into a position um... where he would be used more at the receiver position downfield a little bit more more on the option routes and not having a quarterback that can uh... Competently complete the ball down there for him as well. Yeah, I,
3: th- I think the quarterback piece of it that that, that could be part of it. I do wonder if some of it is more schematic. I mean, f- well, first of all, um, you know they, they did have to use him at running back quite a bit, and I understand if if he uh, and the people around him want him to be used more as a true wide receiver. The only thing I would say about that is I don't know when it is in his career going forward that he's never going to play out of the backfield. And and again, it's not like he said, I don't want to play any running back. I'm only a wide receiver. I just think, you know, he's, he's not a very big guy. And I think that the rest of his college career and then, uh, you know, onto the NFL, which I think, you know, I think he's got a chance to play in the NFL. I don't know that it's a, a guarantee surefire, um, you know, set up for him. Just, I mean, he's, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. And he was really important to what Nebraska does. Just at that size, you have to be you know, absolutely electric to make it uh, at the next level. And so I think he's always going to have to play out of the backfield a little bit and have some elements of running back in his game. The thing I, I just wonder about is he had a lot of touches, obviously. The touches weren't the problem, but he didn't create or he wasn't involved in that many explosive plays this past year. And it felt like every time they threw him to the the, the ball in the flat or in those short routes, to me, it never felt like he had a whole lot of room to operate. And and for whatever reason, you know, they couldn't get him the ball with a lot of green grass in front of him. And so I wonder if, you know, he, I, he went sort of out of his way not to say bad things about Nebraska or anything like that. But, you know, if you watch football, um, you flip on any college game, you just see guys with the ball and all kinds of space in front of them. And I think the combination of, Defense is paying all, so much attention to him and being able to pay so much attention to him. Just felt like he was catching the ball in the flat and there were two defenders, you know, draped all over him as soon as he caught it. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be any different in Kentucky, but we'll find out.
2: Parker Gabriel from Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the k and Husker Hour. Uh, obviously, you lose Mills and Robinson this week, but let's talk transfers. You get a big-time FCS wide receiver uh, with a lot of production coming from Montana and Samari Touré. You get a big back from USC and Marquis Stepp uh, to maybe fill in uh, the role of Dedrick Mills in this offense. Uh, What is Nebraska getting in these two players and how will they fit in Scott Frost's scheme?
3: Yeah, you're getting two guys that have proven that they can do it at the college level. Obviously the FCS is a little bit different than the big 10, but when you have 1500 yards at that level, I mean, it's pretty clear. Uh, And then when you combine that with the sort of attributes that Samari Teray brings to the equation, uh, big frame, you know, he's 6'3 and 190. He can run. He created big plays in a lot of different ways at Montana. It's not like he was a one-trick pony. Um, he could take the top off the defense. He's really good at catching the ball underneath, make you know, making a guy miss uh, and turning it into a big play. Obviously, that's a bigger challenge against Big Ten secondaries than it is uh, in the big sky. But um, he's a guy who had a lot of attention from from power conference schools when he went in the portal. Um, he's got one year left. He's already on the NFL's radar screen. So uh, that to me, he's, he's a proven playmaker. Now he's got to prove that he can do it at the big 10 level, but he's got the attributes that lead you to believe he can do it. I mean, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. And then with Marquis step, um, you know, he was part of a three back rotation at USC. Um, he's only got a hundred career carries uh, on his legs at the college level, which you'd like given the production that you've seen at fresh legs, uh, he's got a lot of ability. Like you say, he's a big back. He's 235. The thing with him through most of his career at at, at Southern California is you just got to stay healthy. Uh, he's missed time a couple of years with injuries. And you never really know, you know, there is such thing, I think, as being injury prone, but sometimes you just have a run of bad luck too. So if they can keep him healthy, uh, keep him in a good spot, and, and and you know, give him uh, some of that role that Dedrick Mills had. Obviously, they've got young backs that they like, Um, None of those guys have shown to be sort of like a true three down back or workhorse type back so far. But uh, Marquis Stepp is a guy who, you know, they think can sort of fill that role. And especially if they can keep him healthy, uh, they think he can be a productive player at this level.
1: So that's a little bit of defense, a little bit of offense. We found out more this week about Jonathan Rutledge being out as special teams, um, analyst, still waiting on a decision from Connor Culp, although it's kind of assumed that he's coming back. What, what do you see as the future of, um, of that kind of analyst or special teams possibly going to a coordinator? Like, where, where are you seeing how special teams is run going forward under Scott Frost?
3: Yeah, there's a couple of options, but I I do wonder if this was the first step in sort of changing how it's been done. Um, Obviously, you know, there's no uh, on the 10 man full time offensive staff, there are no openings currently. And so if you were going to hire a special teams coach full time, uh, there would have to be an opening. Obviously, you know, the coaching carousels running pretty wide open right now. And there's a lot of, you know, moving and shaking. And so I don't think that that's impossible. Um, I don't know what the timeline exactly would look like on that, Um, but they could go back to the analyst route. I think if they go back to the analyst route, they probably have to have a more defined intermediary on the coaching staff. Um, You know, that it's not that they, it's not like Jonathan Rutledge was just trying to do it all himself as an analyst who couldn't actually coach the guys. I mean, each assistant had sort of like one little piece of it. It seems, that, you know, and just some of the things that Rutledge has said since he left, that communication, you know, it's hard when you, when you can't coach those guys. And so I I think just given the way it went this past year that they'll change the structure of how they do that. Now, does that mean that one of the existing assistants takes a more lead role in special teams and they shuffle some other duties positionally around? Uh, will there be a spot that comes open on the staff? I don't think we know the answer to those questions yet, but I do think that the setup. Uh, will change from the way it was structured in 2020.
1: Rutledge had the only first-team All-Big Ten player for Nebraska. Got him here, too. Got him here, and then didn't get to use his punter um, either because uh, Cerny was injured. Now, Parker, something I've heard and seen a lot on social media is folks um, wary about the number of seniors that are returning because they think it's going to stifle the development for guys that would have gotten those spots going forward. Where, Where do you see that balance of stifling opportunities with bringing back experienced guys so you're not completely turning over, especially on defense.
3: Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's just something that, that's got to be communicated well to the young guys that are back there. I mean, I, I, don't, I think that there are still going to be opportunities and, and I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe if young guys, uh, whether it's in the secondary or, or um, you know, on the defensive line, if they prove they can play, um, maybe you don't have to play Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams every snap of the season. You know, if they're far and away the best players, they're going to play all the time. But to me, I, I think, you know, you 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 talk to your young guys about, hey, yeah, these guys are coming back. Go win a job anyways. And then on top of that, the other thing that you have to be conscious of if you're a young guy who, yeah, maybe you're frustrated that you thought I'm going to be, I'm moving up because these guys are gone. And now all of a sudden they're back is this is the setup everywhere right? I mean, there are seniors coming back to use this extra year all over the country. Now, maybe not every player at your position is coming back all over the country, but this is an issue. And the scholarship, you know, number crunch that's going to follow it is going to be an issue all over the country. And so it's not just like, hey, five defenders are coming back for Nebraska. I'm going to go, I better go find somewhere else where the opportunity is better. You might be able to find, A thinner depth chart somewhere else, but are you going to find a thinner depth chart at the same level with a coaching staff you like, with a scholarship available? I mean, the number of things that you're just going to have to line up, you know, A, B, C, D, E, um, to, you know, at a different school. I think that, you know, there's a ton of players in the transfer portal. Obviously, there's a lot of players moving around, but it's not as easy as just saying, well, my guy came back, a guy came back in my position, so I'm going to go find somewhere else to play. And I think that's probably part of the conversation that the the coaching staffs and, and not just Nebraska, all over the country are having, you know, with young guys, given the sort of unique setup with seniors this year.
2: We'll get you out of here on this one. Uh spring ball is, is not too far off. Uh, we've got 13 true freshmen and, and three transfers reporting to Nebraska this week to start winter conditioning uh and then hopefully a full interrupted spring. Do we have any uh, details about what that's going to look like yet?
3: Yeah. So it's going to start, I think spring ball is going to start a little bit later um, than it normally has. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is just, um you know, they played later into the year than a normal season would, um, you know, played basically until what would have been a bowl in a normal year. And so and then the other part of that is because the academic calendar at UNL is, is you know, had has been adjusted for the pandemic. Uh, there's no spring break. The this, this semester starts a little bit later. And so I think guys are sort of filtering in this weekend back to campus. Um, they're going to get going on winter conditioning after all the intake testing and all of that. I think a, a week from now, roughly a week from now. And then that, you know, you want seven or eight weeks for winter conditioning. So I think that puts the beginning of spring ball probably uh, late March, March 25th, 26th, somewhere in there and run in all the way through April. There's, you know, then, then think about, you've got the NCAA dead period recruiting wise that right now is through April 15th. Maybe if you, maybe if it ends there or if it ends around, you know, late April, if you had a spring game, for instance, uh, at the be at. May 1st, somewhere in there, rather than mid April, what it normally is, you might have the opportunity to get recruits to campus and all of that. So, I think that's sort of along the lines they're thinking. I don't know how firmly that's been set, but I know that the whole operation is sort of just scooted back a couple of weeks on the calendar this year.
2: Recruits in the stadium, maybe fans in the stadium. Man, I get uh, maybe we, maybe us in the stadium.
3: Well, I guess you get green, were there green grass on campus rather than <laughs> snow.
2: Yeah, uh, it all seems so far away, but who knows? Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get there. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal Star, uh and again the Nebraska sports writer of the year for 2020. Uh thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, have a good weekend, guys. All right, Parker Gabriel, uh with a lot of detail there on uh on what we could be seeing from uh, I I liked his insights on Samore Touré, um Parker's a Montana guy too. I feel like he had some inside <laughs> knowledge there.
1: There there's just something about the Grizzlies when you know, you you know. <laughs> yeah absolutely
2: um so yeah, good stuff as always from Parker um more to come on this uh we'll uh we'll we'll break down a little bit more specifically what Nebraska is getting back in terms of its own uh seniors who are deciding to stick around for the pro with the program again uh for another year uh the men's basketball pause. Uh, on uh, their program, and uh, women in action today, volleyball next week, and uh, wrestling. Uh, They played number 1 Iowa. How'd that go last night? Uh, All that and more coming up here on the KLIN Husker
0: Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Our
2: thanks to Parker Gabriel. Just joined us on Zoom, if you were on Facebook Live, you just saw it all happen. And uh, if you missed it, of course, you can head over to the Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. Uh, you can watch that and uh, previous episodes uh, from previous weeks back and at the podcast page at KLIN.com. If you don't want to see our faces, <laughs> uh, that is an option still, too, uh, in 2021. Uh, let's Let's uh, let's run down, Caleb, who Nebraska got back this week um, the most recent announcement, I think this was just yesterday, was Ben Stilley.
1: Right. So so just this week, it was uh, defensive end Ben Stilley yesterday, and then working back through the week, inside linebacker Will Honus, and then safeties, Markel Dismuke, and Deontay Williams, also Levi Falk. Yes. Um, yesterday it was confirmed, the uh, receiver on offense. So those are the guys just this week yeah. that have confirmed they are coming back. You go As we said earlier in the show, to previous weeks, you had Cam Taylor-Brett at the corner position, um, and then JoJo at outside linebacker.
2: So getting Stilly, I think, is going to be nice because having him continue to be a part of the defensive line, uh, look, the defensive line, you didn't know what you were going to get, right? You lost the Davis twins, you lost Darian Daniels in the middle.
1: Um, I was pleasantly surprised with the defensive line this year yes. with with that production, especially watching those guys. Um, and I know that there's this is a divisional weekend. You you've got Chiefs gear on because they finally get to play a game. Um, yeah, I noticed. They do. Don't, yeah, I, yeah, I noticed. Uh, but those guys all made rosters yes. and played yes. over the course of the season. Yeah, and you had to you had to go and replace that production. Yep. Yeah,
2: Daniels in uh, in uh, San Francisco, and then the Davis Twins, uh, Tampa Bay, and Pittsburgh. Um and so yeah, you, you had obviously Stilly coming back and one of the other guys that I thought you might see more of, DeAndre Thomas, didn't really play. Uh because Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers came on. Mm-hmm. Damian Daniels was a nice piece right there in the middle on uh, those big time rundowns. Uh he'd get off the field for passing situations and uh, Feldarius Payne. Fildarius Payne, yep, yep. The, the, the always forgotten Phil Darius. Uh, the guy that you just poo pooed right away. That's <laughs> such a sad story. Um so so Stilly coming back is good um for, for all those reasons. He's led the team in sacks before um in his career uh, in in previous seasons. So um having him back as a, a, another leader for this team is good. Will Honus in the middle uh right there at the linebacker spot. Having his presence there without Colin Miller uh was was still I mean Miller was a captain of this team. He was the voice of that defense, Um, and Honus doesn't really talk a lot to the media. I don't know that he talks a lot within the team, but um, he was certainly productive uh, in a few of those games, uh, and having him there to help Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer continue to progress and and develop uh, will also be good. Uh, And then at safeties, we talked about this last week, I would have been happy getting one of those guys back. Just from a peer experience standpoint, and and not losing both guys, uh, especially not knowing if you'll have Miles Farmer available, who's mm-hmm. really the only other guy with a lot of experience,
1: um, and had those interceptions, right, right. Uh, when, when he had to step in in the first half against Northwestern, yep. Uh, and and so getting both of them back is
2: is really nice because you weren't sure for a, a hot minute there whether you'd have any of the four main starters from the secondary returning. Cause obviously DiCaprio Boodle moved on. Mm-hmm. Cam Taylor Britt had options as a junior for NFL aspirations. And then both of those safeties were seniors. Um, with the COVID, you, you have the opportunity to get those guys back and both of them coming back. Right. Uh, nice, nice addition for 2021.
1: Like Parker said though, as you look through these guys who were maybe borderline being on people's boards, the highest grade was probably for DiCaprio Boodle. Yeah, the, on on the defensive side. Not to say that none of these guys could have gotten drafted. Um, you you look at how big the passing game is in the NFL anymore, and you're going to have to rotate through a bunch of guys in the secondary. And Nebraska is bringing back three out of the four um, and some guys that made some big time plays, and the versatility of a Cam Taylor Brett who's played a bunch of special teams as well. He comes back. DiCaprio Boodle just seemed like the guy on the defensive side who graded out the highest. Um and we don't know exactly who they talk to either. Guys saying, Hey, it's it it'd be safer for for you to come back another year. Yeah. Yeah. And and on offense, since
2: hardly anybody came back there other than Levi Falk, uh it's you're you're gonna have to lean on the guys that you have that haven't really been productive. They're gonna have to step up uh and and do more, uh, and you're gonna have to count on these two transfers. In uh, Marquis Step from USC and Samori Toure out of Montana, um, Toure's got production. Step's got potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the recruiting class as well coming in with 13 guys uh, as as early enrollees uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Thomas Fedoni, the the crown jewel of the class, he'll be right. in here this week as well. Uh, offensively, you're you're going to be asking a lot of guys to uh, to really step into. To prominent roles and and not sure if they're going to be able to do it. And this staff has just been hesitant to do it. They're going to be forced to do it this year. Right. They were kind of forced to do it last year too. Uh, but I just don't know how much more you can uh, you can expect of guys to to show you something in practice, to show you something um, before they hit the field. You're going to have to see what they can do in a game situation now
1: because you don't have any other options at some point. And it's just because of depth and not having a bunch of guys that have proven themselves. You're going to have to trust what you saw to bring these guys in. Um, and this staff has been hesitant to do that with new guys coming in. Um, think about even even Wondell Robinson. It took a few games before all of a sudden he was getting a bunch of touches his freshman year. Um, yeah, he he showed out a little bit against South Alabama, but it it really took as the year went on to be like, oh, this Wondell Robinson guy is pretty good. Now, part of that was Maurice Washington was still part of the team um, and getting a lot of stuff out of the backfield, and Dedrick Mills didn't come on till later in the year. But the, this this staff is hesitant to, to go to guys early on in their career. That's going to have to change at some point. There's going to have to be um, not just getting Xavier Betts <laughs> the ball on essentially a jet sweep yeah. and then really not going to him ever again. Like, you're going to have to find a way these talented freshmen and transfers are going to have to start getting the ball, and I think that's been a big disappointment for a lot of Husker fans saying, hey, there's all this talent and expectation with these guys coming in. Why are none of them seeing the field to get the ball? Uh, Now, Cole, I want to ask you, as we've talked about, um, Colin Miller is gone, Matt Farniok is gone, Mm -hmm. you bring back Cade Warner and Adrian Martinez. Those are the captains that we're talking about. Yep. Where were you seeing being the, the leadership going into next year? Very likely in Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. but you had a two-time captain in Matt Farniok, and you had one of your most outspike, outspoken and well-liked guys in Colin Miller yep. on your defense. I, I can't remember who said it, but they said that you're not going to have to look far to find your, your captains and your leaders with so many uh, defensive guys coming back that are like grown men, 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. But where, where are things going to go? Are you going to end up with multiple captains on the defensive side of the ball this year? How, how do you think? I know it's it's voted on by the players, mm. but at some point like you want more production out of your captains as well. And this year you had um, Colin Miller end up getting hurt, and there, there's no way to fault the guy for that, just this is the way things worked out, and he he's medically retiring, and you have Farniok on the line, um, a quarterback who lost his job, and Cade Warner, who really wasn't used in the offense very much, and also dropped a couple touchdown passes.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and it would be strange to see an underclassman at receiver be named a captain and then not be named a captain the next season but that i mean that's possible i mean, maybe still a leader and
1: not they don't you know right. they won't mind the the lack of production i guess cap captain's just just a title you can still be a leader sure. without it but it's really the captains are who these guys are naming as who they're looking at specifically
2: yes and just because you're not named a captain like tommy fraser for that's a famous one who right. was not a captain was not necessarily even well liked on that team uh but he was dang good so that was okay uh, so I think, I mean, I think you'll see Adrian Martinez still be a captain next season. Maybe Cam Jurgens on offense, uh, having been, uh, he'll be, it'll be his third year starting mm-hmm. next season. Uh, you could see that maybe Cade Warner still uh, would be uh, a captain defensively. Yeah. Colin Miller, obviously he's not there DiCaprio Boodle. He's not there. Those two guys gone. Uh, maybe a guy like Ben Stilley since he's returning for another season, um, I, you, mentioned the safeties being, you know, there for a long time. Will Honus has been there for a long time too. Uh, I was actually thinking Cam Taylor Britt. That, yep. He's pretty outspoken. He plays he's on special talented. teams. Yep. He plays on special teams even as well. Um, underclassmen, uh, maybe Garrett Nelson. Yeah. That'd be a sneaky one to, to to look for, maybe.
1: He seems like a well-liked guy. He, he's always fun to talk to when we get his availability.
2: And you, you absolutely know he will do anything for this program. There's no question about that.
1: There's he, no he doesn't wear anything. his emotion on his sleeve. His emotion is 10 feet in front of him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's going to give you a warning shot uh, before he gets there. Yeah, that's interesting because you do have a lot more experience on the defense, uh, and maybe they name five. Maybe there's too much leadership on the defense. You give three to defense. Oh, dominance. darn, there's
1: too much leadership. <laughs> uh,
2: 2021 Nebraska football, too much leadership.
1: Not giving up a single point with this defense, right? All year? Not not a one. No, you're going to be tired of all the winning,
2: I think. <laughs> uh, no question about it. Hat tip, Jack Mitchell. Yes, Um, and all right. Let's. uh, Speaking of getting tired of winning, uh, I don't think anybody gets tired of volleyball winning. Oh, baby, it's coming up. They're coming. Uh, We'll hear from John Cook uh, here a little bit later on in the program. That segment sponsored by my grandma, and uh, we'll also have some updates on uh, some of the other squads around uh, Nebraska. That's all coming up here on the KLI
0: and Husker Hour. giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
2: KLIN Husker Hour, continuing on here on your Saturday morning. Nebraska basketball lost that Purdue game not this past week, but the week before. Right. Uh, that was a mutual decision, is what is what the uh, the the release said, where uh, both teams making that decision mutually out of an abundance of caution for health reasons. Purdue then played Friday. Nebraska then played Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, uh, Ivan Wydrogo was unavailable, and Mm -hmm. and that kind of leads you to believe he may have been a a positive test there. Uh, And then Monday, the announcement came that Nebraska was pausing all team activities uh, due to COVID COVID results among its Tier 1 personnel. Uh, And so
1: that canceled the game against Illinois. Tier 1 personnel, that is any of the players, coaches, uh, and staff that have um, consistent contact with the team. Right. Um and so then that game against Illinois on Wednesday
2: uh the game was scheduled for today, today. We were actually
1: Maryland supposed to take you up to pregame at ten o'clock this morning. Yep, that would have been eleven AM. That, that is today. also postponed. Yep.
2: So hopefully the Huskers can get back in action on Wednesday the twentieth against Minnesota. Um and if so, we will have that for you of course right here on KLIN. Uh but but yeah, you kind of feel I mean, goodness Fred Hoiberg still looking for that uh, elusive third Big Ten win here in his second season, and you think you might have, you know, some positive momentum after uh, a nice second half against Michigan State, and then you lose that Purdue game. Uh, you don't lose it. You you don't get to play it, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, you you don't have a chance to uh, keep any momentum rolling. You don't have any chance to build more, you know, of a rapport with these guys on the floor. You just got Derek Walker. Eduardo Andre is starting to, to get into more of a rhythm after not being able to play early on. What's
1: this guy got to do to get something, you know, some positive news around here? Yeah, you, you got to get the team together, not just practicing, but games. And right now, you're not getting a bunch of practices either. Yeah. And when you just bring a guy back, man, Derek Walker looked really good um, on Sunday against Indiana. And that was a game that Nebraska, I believe, should have won. Oh, that was so very frustrating because they were 18 down, and then they come all the way back, take the lead by three, and then just fell apart late. And that's a game that, because this is a really bad Indiana team, I really felt like this was a game that Nebraska could have and should have won. And then it's so disappointing when you get to the end and nothing went right, um, you couldn't make free throws down the stretch. You couldn't get any shots to drop after you had fought so hard to get back. And then you wake up the next day and the team is on pause. You lose out on two of the games that are supposed to be this week. It's hard to to build that energy going forward when you just added a guy to the roster. You're trying to get guys healthy and now you can't really practice. Uh, and as a result, that, that streak of losses in the Big Ten is now up to 22. <sighs> We're feeling for you, Fred. Uh, I'm optimistic about this team going forward. You
4: just
2: you just got to get on the floor. I know. Yeah. So you get uh, you get some more of those games in. Get some more experience for these guys. Hopefully, you get a few wins. Um, Hopefully, you get one win at least. Please. I want to see two to. I want I want to see two to three. I mean, gosh, I'd love six, but just don't go over. Just don't go zero and twenty, or zero and however many you get. Uh, Hopefully, they get all twenty in. Women are in action later today. Uh, They've had a little bit of a hot streak. They've knocked down some uh, ranked teams lately. Amy Williams' squad is starting to figure things out. They've
1: won three of their last four. They get another ranked team in number, I believe, 15 Ohio State this afternoon. Uh, That game will be over on uh, B107 3. But, yeah, this is this is a team that's played well. The question coming into this one, though, is how healthy is Isabel Bourne, the, the stud sophomore um, who's played a lot more on the wing this year just because of depth issues. Uh, but she left the Michigan State game Sunday with about a minute left in the game, an ankle injury. She's been uh, kind of hampered with that all week. You know she's going to work hard to get back. But there are some injuries that you just can't rush. Like you can get out there and play, but you're not 100%. And as much as as she is all over the floor for this team and they have depth issues, she's going to be asked to play high minutes. Um, and she, her footwork is so good in the post that if you slow that down a little bit, that takes away a part of her game. Um, so hopefully Izzy is ready to go this afternoon and fully healthy. I, I just, I'm doubting that one. Um, that game tips off at four o'clock.
2: Yeah, over on b one hundred seven three three forty five 345 pregame uh with Matt Cotney and Jeff Greisch. All right, the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> we were deprived of fall volleyball. We're getting it in the spring. They're top 5 again. They're uh uh one of the one of the shortlists that uh that could win the national championship. Uh John Cook has almost everybody back from last year plus uh a a basically uh, Infinity Stone gauntlet worth of, of <laughs> top <laughs> recruits coming in uh, as John Cook plays Thanos ready to destroy Worlds. Uh, he's he's pretty excited about this team. Um, this is his uh, early assessment so far of the squad.
4: Well, uh, it's been a little bit slower process in, in building the team just because with all the breaks and all the interruptions. Uh, but at times, this group has shown they can play at a really high level. Uh, now we're trying to get that to be consistent. And I think that's one of the hardest things, and maybe the hardest things, I think, if you talk to coaches and other teams is, again, there's a lot of interruptions all the time. And uh, and so trying to get a consistent performance level and the other thing, getting in a routine. We're trying to get in a routine. And, of course, that changes from last week it was different to this week it's different because the Big Ten's now more involved. So, uh, But I'm excited because I think this team is a year older. It's a year wiser. It's, uh, I think they've, uh, our leadership on our team is, and the seniors have set a great tone of, of working to improve every day. Uh, so they come in wanting to get better, wanting to work on things, uh, not leave the gym till they get it. And, and uh, we've had a lot of time to watch more video. So there's been a lot of great learning going on. And um, at times we're showing some things at a very high level. I'll, you know, again, we haven't played in 13 months. so. Of course I get anxious because we haven't played so I mean that's our real test is when we play you know then that's when it's we're going to find out how much of this is transferred and you know and we got to get through some nerves but uh, this group this group has done a really really good job and I, again I'm going to give our captains and seniors a ton of credit for holding it all together because uh, you know just like for all of us it's you know these are, these are young people, and this is a weird time for everybody, and it's challenging. So when you look at this team, and
1: like you said, there's, there's a lot of folks back. The captains have done a good job of keeping everyone together, and we heard from uh, um, Nicklin Hames and Lauren Stiverens as well, and, and they talked about how close this team is because they were forced to be close. Um, I mean, you, you, get a, you get a bunch of uh, young ladies together, and you're bubbled have nothing to do but get close we saw it with the football team they talked about how they would go to kate warner's with a with a whiteboard and just we got nothing to do let's run some let's run through the playbook and and get everything there uh so we've seen this team get close they were already close um you've got a new coach coming in with with hildebrand Mm -hmm. who's the first associate head coach under coach john cook Um, who's got Olympic experience with with his coaching. He was with Nebraska before, last time they won a national championship. And and this team just brings so many folks back. There's an excitement level already, uh, but then you add to the fact that there is the high preseason ranking at number 5, and then the championship is going to be played in Omaha, and Coach John Cook uh, talked about those first addressing the high preseason ranking.
4: Well, I put about zero percent in the national rankings because the people that vote on that are voting hawaii in the top 20 and and last i checked hawaii is not even playing volleyball so they must be really really good um so i don't put too much into it it's where we finished last year all as i know is the last two times we were ranked fifth we won national championships so but right now we're just worried about trying to play uh and you know play and Keep this group together and and see how the season goes. It's, you know, we're going to have to do really well in the, in the Big Ten to to get to the tournament. But uh, it's always a goal to get to Omaha when Omaha's hosting. And uh, I'm I'm still not sure it's 100, percent but I think we're pretty close to Omaha hosting, and and maybe the whole thing. I've heard so lots going on, but we know it's close. But Man, it's a a long road ahead of us right now um, before we start worrying about that. Sounds like
1: Coach Cook is hearing the same things that we've been hearing as well, Cole, and we talked about it last week, how the NCAA could put the entirety of the tournament in Nebraska between Omaha and Lincoln. What we're starting to hear is more of it being held in Omaha and maybe just hosting some teams in Lincoln, maybe playing a couple matches here and there. But, hey, getting it all in Nebraska, that's great for uh, for Husker fans, volleyball fans, and the economy that took a little bit of a hit in 2020.
2: Yes, that is all accurate. And, and can I also say that salty John Cook is the best John Cook?
1: <laughs> <It's>, Hawaii <laughs> they're not even playing
2: uh, they rank Hawaii and they're not even playing and and you know maybe they don't have those same like uh, like football polls they had that rule temporarily that you were only going to rank teams that were playing in the fall and the Big
1: Ten weren't playing I bet we time. get a couple and, weeks in here Hawaii's no longer ranked uh, yeah I would think okay, so yeah. but
2: That's that was <laughs> hilarious good stuff alright wrapping up the show next uh, how did wrestling do against number one Iowa we'll tell you when we come back
0: Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN.
2: All right, wrapping this thing up. Nebraska wrestling in action yesterday.
1: Yeah, Iowa's was really good. Iowa won. They're, they're very good. Thirty-one to six was the final score. All of their, all of Iowa's wrestlers are ranked in the top eight nationally. Yeah. Very, very, very good from the Hawkeyes. Busy week in, uh, of sports this week, and it begins with Husker women's basketball this afternoon hosting top 15 Ohio State. Track and field begins their season today yeah. as well. That's exciting. Hopefully, men's basketball can get back to it Wednesday. We're almost back to uh, a full slate of sports. It the... feels full because rifle's been going, swimming and yeah. diving begins this week, wrestling's going on. We're getting there. We're getting there. Stay safe, wear a mask, go big red.